0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Lloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, This is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to GriefCast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com
0: slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. Hey
1: Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. Um, I hope I don't sound too tired. I am unusually for me recording this directly after doing a show. Uh, I do a show called Ostentatious, which is an improvised Jane Austen comedy, which I don't often talk about here. It's not death related, but it's very cheery. And I just thought I should probably let you know that we are doing a weekly run. So we're going to be at the Fortune Theatre in London's West End every Monday until July. So if you want to see a show where... Uh, basically we dress up in regency gear, have a violinist that improvises with us and then people shout out a title and we we make up a silly show. It's very funny, you don't have to like Jane Austen at all but it's very funny and very silly and that is something cheery I should tell you about. I also want to tell you about, uh, sorry this is also in London, apologies, Um, uh, the Vault Festival has a lot of events coming up uh, based around death. There's a brilliant play called Celebrate presented by Fledgling Theatre which is a one-man piece about uh, a celebrant. And there's also a talk that I'm involved with and I'm searching my computer for it I think on March the... No, that's not the date. Carry on. Oh, Vault March the 9th, guys. About 430 There's a panel um, with myself and Kimberley uh, from St Thomas's, Guys, just search Vault Festival add Death, then you'll see lots of like theatre pieces and events that are all about death and grief. So if you're in London and you want some other things about death, go and see that. And if you want something about just a silly comedy show, come see me in Ostentatious. So if you go to ostentatiousimpro.com for more information. This week's guest is journalist and writer Perna Bell. Perna is the author of Chase the Rainbow, which is out now, and she has a new book coming out called In Search of Silence, which is out on the 2nd of May. Perna is an incredible woman and one of the great things about doing this show is I get to meet people who perhaps if I hadn't been so honest about my grief journey I would not have met and Perna is definitely on those lists of people and she's an incredibly inspiring, strong, brave lady. Um, She came in to talk to me about her husband, Rob, who took his own life in 2015. That's a lot of what the book is about and I think the next book is also about her, her journey through that grief and yeah I, I hope you enjoy it if you don't follow her already on Twitter or Instagram she really is an amazing woman and this is an incredible story. Welcome to GriefCast. I'm here today with author and journalist Perna... <laughs> oh, I knew it, I knew it. Perna? Yes. Yes? Perna Bell. Perna? Yes. We've, been, we've been waiting for the computer to work and we've been talking about your name for, I'd say, about 25 minutes. And I mm. absolutely knew I wasn't going to manage it. It's
0: okay, you're in a safe space I'm in a and safe it takes space. time. Thank yeah. you.
1: Prenner. Yeah. Perfect, there we go. Prana. Perfect. Just a panic because it's, yes. Mm. Now, now if you see Prenner's name written down, you know how to say it <laughs> properly. And now we've all learnt. And we've been waiting for a long time. Very sorry. The computer wasn't working. But we've had a lovely chat. We have about many things. About many, about <laughs> many things. Yeah, it's been really, I no death, which is unusual for I me know. in this room. It's been very nice. Mm. And you've got, what number cup of tea is that?
0: This is probably, I would say, uh, cup of tea number six. Number six. Yeah,
1: and it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, That's we've not got bad, we've actually. got about five more to go. Wow. Yeah,
0: I know. I do drink a lot of tea.
1: Some people really do. Do you have yeah. it before bed? Can you do one late night?
0: I have uh, bedtime tea.
1: Oh, okay. So it's yes. not with caffeine in?
0: No, it isn't. No. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, my husband can have a coffee at like 11 o'clock.
0: Yeah, when I've, um, when I've gone out for dinner with mates and they order like a Turkish coffee yeah. that's literally the colour of night. Yeah. I just don't understand how they do I, it. I don't understand. No. And don't. He's just unaffected by it. Yeah.
1: Anyway, you are an author. Mm-hmm. Your book is called?
0: It's called Chase the Rainbow and I've got a second one coming out oh. called In Search of Silence, which is next May
1: next May amazing yeah. um, as you know I have like uh, I want to say Tourette's but people with Tourette's will be offended that music, it's like a Tourette's with things that I know like with your name I was like this mm-hmm. so I looked up your book and I thought right and the whole way here I thought don't say chase the dragon <laughs> don't say chase the
0: dragon <laughs> or chasing the rainbow which is doing yes. acid yes yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly and so Yeah. That's why I made you say it because I thought my brain will. My brain has decided to fuck me up today. It's (laughs) like, this is the worst thing you could say. And when did the. Chase the Rainbow? (laughs) That's right, isn't it? Oh
0: my God. When did that one come out? That came out in May 2017. Oh, okay. That was about sort of your story, but the new one is. And the new one is about moving on from that. So that's basically pretty much about when you are recalibrating your life after. massive event so like a death for example um and just I think figuring out what what my future looks like and I because I think that um I mean I know that we'll get into it but I think a lot of uh, what grief does for you is that it clears away a lot of the artifice yeah so uh, I found that before um things happened that um you know, I I kind of did things subconsciously or unconsciously because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And when I experienced death, I just thought not personally, sorry, because <laughs> otherwise this would <laughs> I'm be with a ghost. <laughs> She's been really cool about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> no, corporeally still here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I just kind of found that the more I hate the word normal, but the more normal I seem to other people, mm. it just seemed like it was fair game for me to be back in that sardine run of what you're supposed to be working towards which is either being in a relationship or doing this with your career or whatever and I was like no I'm actually going to call bullshit on this because my experiences has widened a little bit and the second book is basically following the the journey and the thought process around that and I also quit my job so I went traveling for about eight months yeah
1: okay right let's not jump ahead
0: sorry I know I like to get
1: linear yeah because
0: otherwise my brain panics So
1: who are we remembering today?
0: We are remembering my husband, Rob, um, Rob Bell. He passed away in 2015 on wow. May the 28th. So really not that long ago. It's very interesting, though, because when I speak to someone that yeah. knows about death, such as yourself, yeah. they get it and they understand That's that three, yeah, three and a half years is not a long yeah, time. Yeah. When I speak to someone, <laughs> they're like, oh, that was a long time ago. Almost still almost talking forgotten about, it. about <laughs> it. Yeah, still banging on about it. Oh, tell me about yeah. it when I'm like, yeah. he died,
1: my dad died 20 years ago. It's like they yeah. look at me like, wow, she is not okay. You're yeah. like, no, it's just a really massive thing. I'm probably gonna no, hello, yeah. come back. But yeah, I yeah. think that's very, especially to write a book that quickly as well. That's very um, amazing. But Thank like, that's you. very yeah. You're still really processing a lot of stuff, right? Yes,
0: definitely. I, I mean, I definitely still feel like there is stuff that hasn't yeah. quite been worked out yet, and I'm and when I say that. I mean, in terms of how I operate in the world and my relationships with people after it. But, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of other people when I say this, Cariad, is that this podcast is amazing because in the aftermath of Rob's death, there's a lot of talking I've done. I know we'll get to it, but there's a lot of talking I've done about, you know, circumstances and trying to raise awareness but I've never really spoken about my own grief. Right, and yeah, yeah. I don't think people are doing it to be um, inconsiderate. And also because with death, it's lose-lose, right? You can't win with me because yeah. like you might risk offending me. You might risk not offending me or whatever. But um, I, people kind of see me and I think that they see that I'm not kind of crying. Mm. And I, I think I seem fairly well put together. So I wonder if... They're wondering or worrying that if they ask me directly about my grief, they'll be like, that's the yeah. thing that's going to make her go batshit." <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. So it's actually really lovely to be in a space where I can actually talk about that.
1: Well, you definitely can. <laughs> Thanks. This you, is the place, man. This is yeah. a safe space for you. <laughs> to talk about grief yeah. and a safe space for me to panic and mispronounce my name. name oh my god regular <laughs> listeners will know I do it every single week and I'm here with oh god please say their name my god every fucking week um, so let's go back a, a little bit more so Rob when did you when, like how did you
0: meet him so we met in 2000 and latter end of 2008 right and okay. it was a blind date oh. Uh, really wasn't looking forward to it. It was... <laughs> I mean, who does? Who does, yeah. yeah. Mutual friends set us up, and she just completely ignored... So I'd said to this friend, I'd had a really crappy time with men, and i just announced my plans for celibacy, and that <laughs> you know, I was going to live in my own nunnery, and... So on, and she just did this thing where completely ignored that and just sent us both an email without, you know, without doing the thing of saying, Hey, by the way, I've got this friend. Wow. I think she probably thought I, she knew I'd say no, yeah, yeah. And because she was a really good friend, I couldn't be a dick to rob, so yeah, I had yeah. to just. You know, be polite and follow through and we arranged a date and I just cancelled. I made up some excuse and said, sorry, I've got to go meet a mate in the hospital. Yeah. She's, you know, not feeling very well. Um, and I knew he was going travelling for about three weeks and I was like, he, there's no way. He's not going to have the attention span. He's not going to pick this up and I've yeah. dealt with that situation. Bang on, three weeks later, he comes back from his travel. So he'd gone to New York and he said, okay, so what about that date? Oh my God. Yeah, and I really respect the fact that, uh, I mean, I don't know what this says about, you know, the high <laughs> the high level, uh, the barometer that I'd yeah. set for men previously. But I was quite impressed that he'd actually picked it up yeah, again. Yeah. And he also knew that my hospital excuse was made up because it was pretty flimsy. Yeah, um, yeah. And we went out on a date and he surprised me in a number of ways in that I didn't expect to enjoy the date. I told my flatmate, you know, um, like... <laughs> Uh, Come back and get me because you know it's going to go badly, and she just uh, didn't pick up her phone, (laughs) Uh, and and it went really well. You know, he was. I think what I really liked about him, even though I wasn't sure that I fancied him, was his brain. Like he was just very clever and very funny. So I knew by the end of the date that I'd had a really nice time but it confounded all of my expectations (laughs) of, aren't blind dates supposed to be really shit? Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: did you get, like, you got married and...
0: It moved very quickly. I was never the type of person to go, oh, you know, I really need to get married or I really need to do this. But I knew that my entire life, I really wanted that kind of connection with someone. And so, and I also knew that when I met that other person, I would just know and it would progress really quickly. Mm. So we were both in exactly the same place, at the same time, not geographically, but emotionally. And I think that we decided, had a drunken conversation, you know, really early on about, I would say, three to four weeks where he announced that we were going to get married and have babies. And and normally when a man would say something like that, I would run, yeah, there'd yeah. be like a porno-shaped hole <laughs> in the wall because it would just be the most terrifying thing. But it just, it didn't really scare me. And we just got engaged a year later and then got wow. married 18 months later the only reason it was that long was because I wanted to get married in the summer and he proposed um, in January <laughs> so yeah, so we did I think from start to finish we were married and all of that was kind of done in about two and a half years wow. of knowing each other yeah.
1: Yeah, that's fast. It is. So then you kind of yeah. thought, right, this is my life. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And I met the man and that's it. And It was
0: very easy yeah. with him. So the thing that defined a lot of our relationship was that we would always say I love you to each other and we would always be able to find the funny side of things. So there was a lot of having fun, like just genuine banter. Yeah. And even when we kind of went through some difficult stuff you know we always managed to find uh, a a kind of a i don't think it's a silver lining if it's funny but do you know what i mean like yeah, there was yeah. always a, a there was always a lightness that we could find in it and i think that when we got married i just thought it was as simple as and i, I guess i kind of feel like this about my best mate if she's listening <laughs> sorry to unsettle you mal. <laughs> But it was easy yeah. and I just didn't see that there would be a there would come a point where I would be tired of his company or that I wouldn't ever want to not hang yeah. out with him, you know? It's, like,
1: comfortable, which, which sounds... Yeah. I think sometimes people read that as, like, boring. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's like I didn't... I'm not thinking about what to say next or I'm not having to listen, mm. I'm just listening. Yes. Like, that's a very nice place to be yeah. with a partner or a friend. Yeah, mm.
0: you know, it's just when you go, oh, yeah,
1: I didn't know it'd been an hour.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or just you know always um being able to bounce off ideas or things yeah. that made me um really angry and he had this very good knack I mean, especially when I was super cranky or super grumpy of being able to make me laugh and snap me out of it because it's just, it was that don't take yourself too seriously and also, by the way, here's some actually good constructive advice. So I think I really miss, I really, really miss like having that, just having, being able to call him up or talk to him about things because I think that... That was the case for a lot of our relationship, you know, in terms of being able to just talk to each other about stuff. And we didn't really argue. So mm-hmm. this was the other thing. I don't think that there were things that... Because I know the distinction between when you're in a, in a relationship and you suppress stuff that's yeah, like driving yeah. you absolutely crazy. And I think my view, as was his, was that we had arrived at a point in being an adult where if you actually talked about the thing that was bothering you, then you wouldn't really bicker or you wouldn't really get antsy about it. And actually that's something that I pretty much take into my friendships uh, and my other relationships now where I just think, actually, if this thing is going to fester, it's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's hard. The thing with, sometimes with grief, it's hard to, because you can just say, oh, I miss them. Mm. And it's like not enough, is it? Because I remember um, being in the car with my mum after my dad died and something came in my brain i and my dad was one of those people who just was very just knew a lot of stuff and my mom doesn't she's very smart but in a very different way and um just like you have one of those thoughts where you're like oh, i wonder what that means or like how does a mortgage work mm. like oh i just asked my dad and then that oh
0: Yeah. I can't
1: ask him. And it honestly felt like I used to own the Encyclopedia Britannica and now I don't. Yeah. Like, and this is pre internet, obviously. (laughs) Now I can Google things, guys. But yeah, it used to be a time and be like, oh, he'll Mm. know. Oh, bugger. Yeah. It's so annoying, isn't it? It's so annoying.
0: It's something that we do with him a lot because he was very, I would say, nature lover but nerd was probably what we <laughs> called him. And he knew everything. Like, he was a walking encyclopedia around anything to do with birds uh, or plant life or whatever.
1: My mother-in-law was like that. And it's really, really yeah. like, what is that? What's that flower? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't and,
0: it? Yeah. And I think after he passed away, people would say, oh, I went for a walk. And that was actually one of the loveliest things that that if people wanted to talk about him and said to me, by the way, I was in this park and um, I saw, I don't know, some random fern or whatever, and I wanted to ask Rob or I thought of Rob or I saw this. And I think that for me was, um, and that still continues to be actually something that um, I see him in a lot of that stuff. I went on a trek to Nepal last year and I didn't know that. So in my head, when you hire a guide, to me a guide is someone that, you know, has... I don't know, bare minimum interest in nature. Yeah, but and
1: maybe some things. And yeah, thoughts. no,
0: that that's not the case. <laughs> uh, that's not necessarily the case in Nepal because their function is to get you accommodation and make sure that right. you don't die and yeah, other yeah. things. Um, so I po- I saw this bird and I'm pretty sure it was an eagle and I asked my guide and I said, oh, by the way, um, uh, do you know what bird that is? And he points at it and he he literally said, yes, bird. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Rob. <laughs>
1: That's so, yeah. it's nice you can laugh because it is one of those funny things. You're just like, what else can you do? <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. So what, what happened?
0: Mm, okay, so around two and a half, I would say two and a half years into our marriage. So for all of me saying that, you know, we could talk about mm. things with each other. The huge caveat around that is, um, which is why I also talk a lot about men's mental health. So Rob had depression, which I knew about because he told me fairly on in our relationship. But my understanding of depression was pretty poor back then. Didn't really know what it entailed. Definitely didn't know what clinical depression was. And I noticed his behavior changing incrementally, actually. It wasn't like an overnight Mm. thing. And I know this because I keep a diary. And so that's been a very useful anchor. To literally
1: go back and go, what Exactly.
0: Because also you can romanticize certain aspects about a person, you know, that sometimes helps you through grief. But sometimes it it actually makes it pretty difficult to move on from certain things. So I'm very glad that I kept those. In a nutshell around that, I noticed that increasingly he was just super withdrawn, Mm. didn't really socialise with any of his friends, and um, seemed to have insomnia, but also seemed to be quite sick, you know, just um, stomach cramps, couldn't really move, etc, etc. And he did have depression. But long story short is, I think it was like a fourth weekend in a row of him being in bed. And I just said... And I knew that there was something going on, Mm. but he wasn't telling me what it was. And I just said, look, you need to tell me as your, I'm your spouse. And so the whole um, get up is that you can tell me stuff and I don't run away from it. I'm supposed to help you through it. And eventually he told me that in addition to having depression, he had also been harboring a three-year heroin addiction, which is pretty full-on. Wow. It's very full-on. And um, and there was a lot of just shock and disbelief. So he'd been taking
1: that before he met you?
0: So he had always been... Um, recreational i would say yeah. uh, i knew that he had been recreational with drug use my take on it is that i don't really do drugs and so when we met um because i think it was for me he was that guy who you know would smoke weed but like in the morning and i just uh and normally that would have been a red flag for me mm. but he, so much of himself was sorted in other ways And I was just like, you do, you know, I said, you're a 30-something-year-old man. Like, Mm. don't take this the wrong way, but no. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah, (laughs) I said, no, that, you know, I understand if that's what you want to do, but that really doesn't fit in with my lifestyle, so maybe just let me know. And this was fairly on in our relationship. Um, Having said that, so, you know, as the months and years went on, I knew that he had recreationally done drugs, but didn't know that he ever had a problem with it. And then when I was piecing stuff together for the book, Mm. for Chase the Rainbow, the signs were there you know wow. he was always the mate that hit it hardest or but it's I guess it's kind of you frame it in a way of oh you know so and so god don't they go really go large rather yeah. than holy shit that person actually might have a problem that person
1: might not be okay totally yeah, maybe they need some help yeah. yeah and I think
0: I knew that like heroin was something that you know for me it was like the bogeyman of drugs. Yeah. Um, even now, talking about it, you know, it, it sends shivers up my back in terms of what my previous associations were with it. But I had no idea because he, I just said to him, one of the questions was, why didn't you tell me? And mm. his thing was, well, I, I just thought you would leave me and I was really worried um, I, that couldn't happen. So I've been trying to get clean on my own without you knowing. Wow. And yeah, and I was so naive. I had no idea. Looking back now, I just think, how the hell didn't I pick up on the signs? But I didn't know what those signs were at the no, time. No, and if you don't know, then yeah. you don't know, do you? No. Like Also with your spouse, there's a lot of leeway for trust there. So, yeah. you know, you, you just, I naturally gave all my trust over to him because yeah. i just thought well this guy really loves me and there's no way he would do that to me and knowing what i now know about addiction those two things aren't yeah. necessarily directly correlated you know no
1: there's a really um amazing podcast um oh god what's it called anyway it's the lady who <coughs> hosts it's esther perel so oh, yes. you may know it yeah yeah, yeah. isn't she a relationship yeah she's a relationship yeah, yeah. counselor and oh, I mean, anyone who listens to podcasts is now shouting at me. And now you know where my brain is (laughs) at. Esther Perel. Anyway, it's an amazing relationship podcast. Yeah. And um, she talks a lot. She deals a lot with addiction. Mm. Uh, Where should we begin? Where should we begin with Esther Perel? But she... There's quite a few episodes on addiction... Alcoholism, drug, sex addiction. Yeah. And she often talks about and this is a resino about it, but she was saying that that I love you, um, but I'm gonna lie to you about these things exist completely side by side. Yeah. And the partner will often be like, But that means you don't love me Yeah and the addict and Esther are like, No. Yeah, it doesn't. Totally, they different. exist absolutely together yeah. in the same world, yeah. and for them, that's their truth. Yeah, and I think it must. Be, yeah, God, it must be so hard because your yeah. standard of love is like, but if you love me, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't yeah. lie to me. And mm. they have a prop, you know, yeah. an addiction. It's-
0: well, um, there was a psychiatrist that I spoke to for research for the book, um, Dr. William Shanahan, who is um, a legend when it comes to this stuff, because I was trying to work out yeah. the. Um, basically to try and disentangle the lying from the love. And he just said, look, what was he lying about? If what he was lying about was anything around the addiction, which is how it works, Mm. then he said, then it's really not to do with love at all. Mm. He just said, you know, that is the majority of the reason why addicts lie, because they don't want you to find out what's going on. And that actually gave me some relief, to be perfectly honest, because I think there was a lot that I was questioning And Rob and I did directly talk about it in terms of he just said, look there is nothing that undercuts my love for you, but there is this thing that's going on that I just don't have control of. And then on the flip side, you have this whole conversation that's around masculinity, right? Which is just also, and I'm not saying that female addicts don't feel like this, but the asking for help or the owning up to it and admitting that he had failed a certain aspect of what he had promised in a marriage, I think he really struggled with that. And so after he told me about this... I think my initial reaction, apart from obviously just being very shocked, was, okay. well, we need to do this together because you can't Mm. do this on your own. And that's probably why this hasn't stuck. And I helped him with his recovery for, I would say, about 18 months. But as a lot of people who know anything about addiction knows, there's a lot of relapse and there's Mm. a lot of recovery. And for me, the thing that I found personally to take on that was very stressful was, um, the lying that came around the relapse. Yeah. And I think the la- the final straw for me was when we were thinking about trying for kids. And I realized that the lie that he'd made about his recovery was because he didn't really want us to go backwards, mm. to use his words. And I just thought, actually, I can't do this. And and if he's going to recover, then he needs to do this for himself, not because he's scared of losing yeah, me and our marriage. Yeah. So we had a separation. Did you um, tell
1: people at the time? Did you have people you
0: could talk to about not, it? Not a huge number. I mean, there's so much shame attached to addiction yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, the fact that if I, if you had told me at that time that I would be sitting here talking to someone yeah. about this, there was no way my brain could have wrapped itself yeah. around that fact. And at the time a handful of people knew because I was really worried that um, if Ro... And I fully believe that he could recover from his addiction um, and I didn't want him to be shunned and I Mm. wanted us to still be able to go to people's houses and for them not to look at him differently, you know. And so there were were literally, I would say, about five people who maybe knew. My parents didn't know. His parents did um, and they are back in New Zealand, which is where he's from. He's from New Zealand. But that was pretty hard actually because yeah. it was trying to help him with recovery, doing a very busy job at the time, and then just knowing that in my personal life, you know, people are asking us questions like, Oh, so when are you having kids and what's happening mm. there? And um, you know, um Yeah, are you by and your you're house? already
1: grieving the loss of some but like I think that's another Aspect of mm. grief, of like you're grieving the loss of that man you thought he was, yeah. and the life you thought you're going to have, and exactly. the husband you thought you'd married, yeah. and all of that stuff is having to mm. be reassessed. So, yeah, yeah, that because, be so yeah, hard. you're
0: absolutely right. Because I guess that's what grief is it's loss, it's it loss, loss of a future yeah. that, for example, I thought we would have kids because, yeah. but then I think it's it dawned on me that we probably wouldn't because I think even he knew that he wasn't in a position yeah. to be able to do that, but also the loss of that purity that I felt in believing him and yeah. and you know being able to trust someone that implicitly I mean the thing is it's hard to say because I haven't been in a relationship since but I am pretty resilient when it comes to I don't think that I would carry over those trust issues into another mm. relationship because I think they were very much anchored in him and the person that he was
1: yeah yeah, yeah. So you separated.
0: We separated, and I think because of what was going on with him and his addiction, and I just felt—sorry—we both felt that a big part of what was hindering his recovery was, you know, trying to maintain uh, work. So trying—he was working throughout all of this, but being able to—I think—the pressure of work, the pressure of money, all of that kind of stuff was just not helping. So he went back to New Zealand to stay mm-hmm. with his parents for what was supposed to be about three months. And the idea was that it was going to give me some space because that's the other thing, I guess, you know, regardless of whether it's addiction or whether you're looking at a mental illness like depression, yeah, especially, yeah. it's really, really full on. And there's no space for you to really have your own thoughts around no, it.
1: No, and it's exhausting. It leaks yeah. into, you. yeah, you're just dealing with their life, aren't yeah.
0: you? So, yeah, so I think for me that that time was really to work out what I wanted. And I think I suspected when... I think just some some conversations, some communication was quite erratic mm. and I just thought, okay, I, I feel like he's not completely sober in yeah. New Zealand and it transpired that he wasn't. Um, not heroin, alcohol, but I think I had just reached the end of the road of what mm. I could really deal with and so I just said, I'm so sorry, I just don't, I don't see how we can repair this from, you know, the state that it's currently in. And we had lots of conversations in and around that, and you know we spoke on Skype, and we had spoken quite regularly over that that two to three months anyway. but yeah, then ten days later um you know got he got some very strange communications from him, you know, like it just didn't sound like him yeah. on text. And then he just went missing. Um, he So I, I got calls from a few people and they just said, look, he sent us a couple of messages. We don't really know where he is or what's going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this was this was obviously taking place over a 12-hour, yeah. uh, you know, time difference between New Zealand. And I was just – I think I was really – initially, I was really angry because I just thought, you know, these messages – I've had – I hadn't had exactly the same before, but, yeah. you know, scares – and I just thought, you know, how could he do this? Like, yeah. how could he just, how could he just like go off and leave us? Wor, and we're worrying about him yet again. Then I started to get really worried. And then I just thought, actually, you know, you know what? I bet he's going to turn up. It's going to be fine because I think his mum was really worried also at this point. But you know, I think this was about twelve hours after he went missing. She called me at one in the morning, with the news that um, the police had found him and that he'd taken his own life, oh. and it just i mean like even as i am saying this to you in front of you mm. now and we are talking about something that happened you know over a thousand odd days ago or however long that it's like a it's like the bottom has just dropped out of yeah. your throat your heart your lungs like it's just it just feels like it's just stretching into this unbelievably dark place where it's like not anchored to anything and you can't believe that it's happening and I think I just, um, that I didn't sleep that night and then just got a flight to New Zealand, you know, booked, a f- booked the mm. next flight and my best mate came with me and then we went over there for the funeral. Oh
1: my God. Yeah. it's just...
0: I know. <sighs> yeah. I'm going to need to tell you a joke soon, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's just... Yeah, I know. I'm trying
1: to get my head around... Yeah. Well, you can't. No. There's some human experiences, I think. The reason... That your mm. brain is struggling is because it's not an experience. It, it's too fast. It's, it's not too comparable. Quick. It's yeah. not comparable, and yeah, and especially when I think time differences are really mm. hard. The idea that he it was yesterday and he was dead in tomorrow. Yeah, it's a really yeah, hard yeah. thing to process as a yeah. human because I just think our brains aren't. Are, yeah. aren't wired for it it's or just like,
0: even things like time of death you mm. know like that didn't really occur to me until I was looking at his certificate Yeah. and um, and we've got 28th, 29th wow. and I just remember at the time thinking this is <laughs> I didn't say this out loud but I remember thinking this is unacceptable this yeah. is unacceptable that there is no time of death like and it's no one's fault yeah. you know but I just thought the fact that I did not know the exact minute yeah. the fact that I wasn't there at the exact minute um, I think that just broke my heart for a really long time. Yeah, actually, of course, of yeah. course,
1: because you love, you love him. Yeah, yeah. Not even loved. You yeah, love him. Yeah, and that's really hard. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So you go all yep. that way. I mean, that flight must have been a fucking. I hope you watched some comedy on the plane.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> or did you just pull <laughs> your eyes out? It was a fucking Oscar season, so everything was very weighty. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there, okay? So I was initially, I just went into, uh, no, I'll be fine. I'm oh, going to get right. on the flight on my own. It's going to be fine. Yep. And I could hear my family. So. By some sheer coincidence, I think because I was just going through the separation. So my family knew it was a tough time. So I was actually staying at my parents' house. Wow. And my sister was had decided to come and visit and was staying for the night with my niece, who was so weenie. I mean, she would have been, I think, like 10 months or something wow. like that. So when all of this happened, they were all there at the same time. I mean, I honestly don't know what I would have done if they hadn't God, been there. Sometimes
1: the universe works magically. It, it really there? does, it's yeah. Like, well, I think we all need to be near this person right yes, now. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: And I remember pacing up and down on the landing because I could hear them talking about me. And, and basically <laughs> my parents were like... So we've we've asked her if she wants us to come with us with her, but she's said adamantly no. And I could hear my sister going, "Well, but this is the time that someone needs to be with her." So I'm sorry, someone has to go with her. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, "I'm not a baby, you know, <laughs> even though I am the baby of a family." Yeah. But I just remember getting very indignant.
1: But you can't see what you look like. <laughs> no, I think that's the thing. In trauma, yeah. in grief, you can be no. so convinced, and it's like mm. you don't have the ability to step outside yourself because yeah. you're almost. You're almost not there. You're somewhere else. You're in shock. And if you could you know, if we had Mm. you have your diaries and we could have filmed you, you would have been like, That girl is not okay. Someone needs to sit
0: her down and give her her hundredth cup of tea. Like it's not even it's not even being disheveled. When I just look at pictures of myself. The the eyes. It's it's the eyes. And I just look back and I think, Oh my god, I thought that I was Mm. presenting I thought everyone would think I was fine. And then in retrospect, they were like, No. Yeah, remember yeah. that weird
1: smile everyone was giving <laughs> you? That smile was there for a reason. Like, because they yeah. were like, she's not okay. We're right. not going to tell you she's not okay. She's not okay. Yeah. 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 And I'm, that's what I mean by mm. look. It's definitely not yeah. the look of you. It's that human to human to be a go. It's like, you know, when someone gets on the bus and mm. they're not okay and they start yeah. shouting, you think, yeah, they're not okay. I'm not yeah. going to... Or if they're aggressive, you know, it's you just think... Yeah, they're not all right. I'm just going to... I'm going to move seats for (laughs) just a second because I'm not quite sure what's going to happen yet. You can tell. You can. So then your friend came with
0: you. Well, so my best mate actually had flown back from a business trip and she got a cab straight from the airport wow. to my parents house so she's my best friend yeah. and um she just said I'm gonna come with you oh wow and so yeah so she did everything we she drove back to my apartment she wow. stayed with me um you know we then left uh, for whatever that available flight was and I mean, I don't think I would have made it without her, yeah. quite honestly, because I had this very crystal... Which you do in grief. Like, you you know, something in you pinpoints and picks out those moments that will forever be frozen for mm. you. And I remember we were... We're in Leon, <laughs> classic, classic grief cafe. <laughs> yeah, we're in Leon, And um, she just starts talking to me about tea and biscuits. And because um, she she's going to kill me for saying this but I did say this in the book but she is she said you know I think in this very forthright yeah. you know manner I think that what's missing here this is Heathrow Airport by the way what's missing here is a shop that only sells biscuits and uh, PG tips yeah. and I just like I just burst into laughter because I was just like this is the maddest yeah. of all things to like you know nail your your <laughs> cross to it's going to be tea and biscuits <laughs> But I just remember thinking, because, and Carrie, I don't know if you had this, but when he died, I just remember thinking, fuck, I'm never going to laugh again. Yeah, Like, laughter is such a hugely important part of of who I am mm-hmm. and how I process things. And I just remember thinking, you know, what if I never laugh? Lo- what if I never find anything funny? And I think what she did for me, because we just picked out these really small moments, and she just made it light, yeah. you know. So it is, and I talked
1: about this a lot. It's like the power of laughter because what's happening is, mm. when someone dies, I really feel like your body acts like it's died. Yeah, like you think you're di- you think you're dead somehow. Yeah, because yeah. like it, it's such a confusing. I'm sure someone knows psychologically, like physiologically, mm. what's happening, and then laughter, like that that sucking in of air, yeah. makes you go, oh, "I'm still alive." Yeah, it does, and it, it makes you also go, "Oh, I." Some yeah. maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but somewhere I might laugh again. Yeah. I might be happy, but the moment I cannot, und- I yeah. have no idea how to get to that place. Yeah, I don't have a map. But it just mm. somehow in your in the depths of your animal brain is like you'll be all right.
0: Yeah, and but the rest of your
1: body is like how? Yeah, how will I? Be? That's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah. That cannot be true. Yeah, but also it
0: lasts like for a fraction. I mean, yeah, it's that such a Quick moment. It's such well, a quick moment. Yeah. yeah, it's literally like a speck of gold. Yeah. because the minute that that stops that entire ball of yeah. emotion just you know it just it's engulfed you again
1: it's like you know when you're really really hungry and then you can just smell and you think it's coming it's coming Yeah, yeah. it's like that you're like just a whiff you're like all I needed to know was it,
0: it's coming is there a bacon sandwich yeah yeah, yeah. and I think
1: all oh, it's like yeah. that that speck of gold like you said I just need to know it's there you yeah. know it's not mine yeah I know it is it exists because yeah. you feel like no the bottom like you said the bottom's falling like your,
0: your world I remember when I laughed and I was with some people that knew Rob um, older very older Relative, um, and and for him, he was just because everyone's at a different place in their grief, yeah. and they do grief differently. And I just remember there was something that I laughed at, and um, and he was really he he just couldn't because that wasn't his yeah. experience for him. But I do remember thinking, oh, my God, I shouldn't have laughed. You know, are people going to think that I'm not – and now I look back on it, am I not taking it seriously? (laughs) And I just think, well, it's not, you know, it's not a management course to get through. Like, this is just something that's going to be around for a very long time. But the thing that my – so Rob's best friend was there, Jesse, and my best friend, Mal. And I remember this moment. So this is when we were at the cemetery – and Mal was like, listen, I've got to show you something. Because they like they were walking around, you know, different parts of the cemetery. And she was like, it's a picture of a monkey. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> you really need to show me this now? Yeah, Jesse and I were like, okay, we need to go and see this monkey right now. Yeah. And someone, like, honestly, on someone's grave, someone had just put a picture of a monkey because apparently that person, like, really loved monkeys sure, and gave money not? to monkey yeah, sanctuaries. Yeah. And it's not even a good joke. Yeah, but at oh, the yeah. time, it was... It was like the funniest thing that ever happened. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. just fringe festival worthy. <laughs> I would have. Yeah,
1: and you're like crying, laughing, aren't you? You'll be like crying. Yeah, is your body just seeking out anything? Yeah. And I think also shock, especially when you have had a, mm. like you did a really traumatic experience. It, it's like. You feel, yeah, you feel like you're watching a film you don't understand or something. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why am I laughing? Why is that funny? That like, You can't tell. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it is now. I mean, I remember having this moment, which has never happened again, but my brother-in-law was driving uh, me and my friend back to my mother-in-law's house. And I had to make him stop the car and I hyperventilated into a bush. Wow. But the worst thing is, this is about like when you're a people pleaser, right? The worst thing is while I was hyperventilating into the bush, I was like, oh, no, I'm making them wait for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) maniac thing I am just I just I'm love that no you could have these extreme emotions and there's still that voice in your head giving you shit yeah. I have it as well like I'd be bawling my eyes out thinking this is so embarrassing yeah. And I, I hope they realize that I, I do know I'm an idiot and you think yeah why can't you just focus on the crying right I know. now just do the stop yeah. the internal criticism can just have a break I know. like no yeah your crying is very ugly by the way <laughs> you're like thanks yeah thanks voice <laughs> I'm actually just r- quite upset now I do wonder that voice mm. I have a love-hate relationship because sometimes it the kind of weirdly
0: cold practical nature of it snaps
1: you out slightly
0: it does but it also it stops my voice while sometimes it can be a bit harsh yeah. and, and it tries to move me on a bit quicker than I'm comfortable yeah. with it does move me on yes
1: that's what I mean it's like yeah. it's, it, part of you is like ow and another mm. part of you is like mmm Got good, a point good there, point, mate. Yeah. I am keeping them waiting. Yeah, good, good to be aware of that. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you just stay in that bush. Yes, wouldn't you?
0: I really would have done yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: I think that, yeah, it is a part survival, isn't it? Because part of mm. me is like, I just want to be sad. And the other part, and I, my one of my big memories I talk about a mm. lot is like absolutely bawling my eyes out in my bedroom. Mm. My, my, I didn't even know if it was pr- when he was dead or not, if he was just ill, and, uh, and I think he was dead. And I was like sobbing. <laughs> And making the noise, that was so weird, I laughed. I was like, who made that noise? It was like, uh, uh, uh. and then I thought, who was that? And I laughed, oh my God, it's me. And I stopped crying I thought, what was that? I thought, wow, that is a weird noise. You need
0: to stop crying right now. <laughs> there have been many, many moments Yeah, like and yeah. I sort
1: of, I'd then be annoyed because I was like, oh, I was having a really good cry. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it was weird though. Yeah. Like, It's almost like, yeah, you need yeah. that sort of inner, inner sarcastic friend, isn't it? It's like, dude... Maybe you, just, like, back up a bit. Yeah, you, but, yeah, that funeral must have been, oh, my God. Just it just, yeah. I mean, the,
0: even the, because we, so my family are Hindu and we don't, we don't bury, we cremate. Right, yeah. And, actually, my, in, I, I've had pretty much, I would say, zero experience of trauma right. or death yeah. up to that point. Right. Because my grandparents died, but they died at ages when, you know, it was yeah. appropriate for them to die. Yeah. And subsequently, I have spoken to my parents about their handling of grief and what it was... Because I didn't ask them those questions at the time, you know, yeah, I had no yeah. idea. So this, for me, was very new territory. But there was... there It was like... Which grief does do this to you sometimes, where there is a part of you that is separate to the proceedings, especially yeah. when there are practicalities. So I remember when we had to sort things out, like picking out which coffin or um, talking through paperwork... Or the burial plot, you know. So we had to go see two burial plots. And I'm like, I thought they'd just give you one. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize it was, like, multiple choice. Yeah. Also, like, he's not going to care. But I what I then understood about that is it wasn't – that in itself is not – I mean, it's not about Rob, no, right, is it? It's, it's about not. when we go there yeah. to visit him. And the place that we picked, which was – um it's just, it sounds really perverse saying this, but it's a beautiful place. No, yeah, I can It imagine. faces an estuary. It's very calm. And I'm really glad we didn't go with option one, which was a little bit crowded and quite <laughs> frankly, yeah. um, you know, it just, I just, we just didn't really like it. And How do
1: you feel about him being in New Zealand? Is that hard?
0: Well, I think initially... Um, I can I mean, understand f- why
1: that choice got made. Yeah, but so yeah. his
0: family are there. And I felt that although I am here... This is also because I'm Indian. Um, mm. This is half of my home. Yeah, yeah. So there is still a really big part of my own heart that's in India and that belongs there. And so for me, I I don't think I really thought much about it, but it felt right that he was there. Yeah, and it felt right that it was somewhere where his parents could go or his yeah, mum could go yeah. regularly. And New Zealand is. I don't know whether people just thought I would just not ever go back, mm. but it was really, really important for me to go back there, and it continues to be an important place that I go back to. I and, guess. Do you
1: feel like there's mm. a place that maybe he was happy, or it's where he's from, or like um, he had a like complicated seeing, relationship yeah. in New Zealand?
0: So I think he.
1: But is it like being with him a bit more than it is in London? Like, is there?
0: I'm just wondering. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yes and no. In that, when I'm there, I think because I'm with his family, yeah, I can talk yeah. about him yeah. and. It's more organic and it's more natural to talk about him in conversation, and it's not that people in England don't care, mm. but I get asked about him less yeah. um, here, and he gets he he's not he doesn't crop up as much in conversation unless I mention him. Yeah. So for me being there, yes, I absolutely cherish the fact that I've got a place where I can go and visit him. But also, for me, it's that entire experience of being in New Zealand that's wrapped around in him and Mm. his family, who are my family, and so on. So actually, there's a great comfort that I get from from just being there, I think. But there are places here. I mean, all of our relationship was here. So there are places all around London that I'll go that will remind me of him, not in a bad way.
1: But I suppose then it's just Mm. you and... Not him. Yes. Whereas in New Zealand, you get to say yeah. and and maybe I think that must be very important to mm. have him reflected back at you as well by yeah. people who did absolutely know him and knew a bit of him that you didn't know because they knew him yeah. before you knew him. So
0: yeah, but it's also I think it's an interesting observation about how people think about grief in that. I think some people were quite surprised that I was going back to New Zealand. Um, so what had happened was after you passed away, I went back to New Zealand nine months later because I just couldn't really deal with being in London. So I, I had a six week break from work. Mm. And then when I decided to quit my job, I decided that New Zealand was going to be one of those places and it definitely features in the second book and also because it's got the most amazing landscape. And I think some people just thought that me going back there meant that I wasn't really moving on and I was just. Fi-
1: Give it. She's only, it only just uh, happened. Yeah. Thanks. Give her a break. Thanks, Jesus Carried. Christ. You Thank you. Why did she have to move on so quickly? Thanks. Thank you. If I, it was heartbreak, I think your friends would still be like, oh, you know, she really had a heartbroken yeah. three years ago. And you did have your heartbroken yeah. three years ago yeah. three years because he died. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just find it so weird. Can and I just, record you on my phone and yes. just
0: play this to people? Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. moving
1: I mean, on. Like. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It comes from a place of care and it comes from a place, mm. again, of survival of like in yeah. the, you know, I'm always talking about this. But like back in the day when we were all tribes, in the, what they'd be trying to tell you is like you need to move so yeah. we can carry on surviving. Yeah. And by literally move on, yeah. we need to move away from this place where someone died. Mm. But we don't live like that anymore. Well, like, you,
0: you're catching me at a point where I'm not in angry mode yeah. because it does. So for some reason, I couldn't explain why. I just I'm quite kind of. Calm and forgiving around stuff. But when I'm in angry mode... <laughs> oh, oh baby. I, I know. Angry mode <laughs> yeah. is...
1: It's impressive, is yeah. it? Yeah. It, what,
0: angry mode me is... <clears throat> if you haven't gone through the exact same thing that I've gone through, I don't give a fuck about what yeah. you, you have to say about how I'm processing my grief. Like, yeah. that's my... That's when I get really angry about mm. it because I just think... I could understand if I didn't go back to work or if I was actively, I don't know, like self-medicating with alcohol or drugs or just basically not really functioning. But there there is a part of me that just kind of thinks, what what is it gonna take? Like what do I need to do? Do you want me to like apply is there a card that I can apply for yeah. that says, not as fucked as she was, you know, three years ago, doing yeah. okay? And they're ooh, it's come back now. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yep, angry mode, back into it. But yeah, and there and I and I, but I also do understand that completely the counterweight to that is all that is is just love. And all yeah. that is is someone wanting you to just be the person that you were or to be yeah. okay. But
1: it, it's it, the anger, I think, comes from not to, it, Because they're not acknowledging you're never going to be that person mm. again. And then they're not acknowledging the reason that yeah. is, is because someone died. Yes. So then you feel mad. Because yeah. you're like, you're acting like I should be the same. Yeah. Which the only way I could be is if they were still alive. So have are they dead or not dead? Yeah. And it's like something in your brain. That's where you get across because you're like, don't... Don't tempt me with yeah. that notion that they're not dead. Because yeah. that's, of course, what I want. So when you open that door of like, remember what you used to be? You're like, yes, of course I do. <laughs> I was happy. Why are you showing me that door again? Like, I have to be here. I have to. So in a way, I used to get so angry. I'd be like, I need you to acknowledge the yeah. reason I'm angry. Someone died. Yeah. And when they try and shush it, that's how I felt like I was being shushed or just not allowed to speak. And I was like, you make me feel crazy because yeah. you make me feel like... It didn't happen, or he didn't matter, or he wasn't important. Absolutely, you want and people to go, yeah, "Yeah, you should be fucking angry." Yeah, and you're like, "Yes, thank you." Yeah, now I'm calm because you've acknowledged it. <laughs> but it's when it's like trying to repress it. And, it, you know, and, and very, when
0: someone does, um, when someone does do that, so when they do actually acknowledge it, mm-hmm. it your anger, like my anger, dissipates, uh, dissipates. really quickly. It just goes. Yeah,
1: and then they're trying to dissipate it. You're like, but the only way to dissipate the anger yeah. is to say. Yeah, you should be angry. That's okay. It's all right.
0: But when everyone says, like, don't, like, yeah, don't be angry. Move on. It's amazing. The minute someone just says, I'm sorry to hear that. And, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Mm. It just, you can't, you can't be angry in response to that. Because that's just someone trying to just offer you a bit of empathy and care. I was, this is a very stupid example, but I'm
1: great at them. Mm. I was on the bus the other day. And, you know, when a bus driver does something annoying and then you, like, the whole bus gets so angry. And um, and she missed. She just drove past the stop, and everyone was like dinging the bell. And this is London, And so, and everyone was like, "You missed the stop!" And I dinged the bell, and everyone was like, "I." Go. And the lady like pulled in. This lady, she went. What happened? And they were like, "You messed up." She went, "Oh, I'm so sorry." She said, "Did I? I didn't even realise. And then the whole bus started laughing because you're so used to drivers instantly arguing back with you. What well, oh, are you doing, number? And we were all yeah. laughing. She went, oh, "She said, oh, I'm new to this route. Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry." That. And I was like, "Wow, mm. that was like the quick. Yeah. Like everyone on the bus was really happy. And we all got off the bus going. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know the 43." You've got to stop
0: there. (laughs) Bet the people back at that bus stop, though, weren't thinking those thoughts. No, no. But I just thought, I was
1: like, God, that is the most clearest Mm. example I've ever had of just, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: I get that. And I know that this is what this podcast is also about in terms of that whole taboo. But, I mean, even now, when I hear that someone, a loved one of someone that I know has Mm. died, or even if it's someone that I don't personally know... There is a part of me that just goes back into that, oh, I don't know if I should say something, you know, I don't want to. And then I just, the other part (laughs) of me, it just gives me a proverbial kick, you know, up the butt. And I just, and then the words just come out and I just say, I'm really sorry to hear that happen to you. Because that was probably, I mean, especially a suicide People just don't know what yeah. to say, and they don't say anything, and then that just and makes you, you feel... separated
1: as well, yeah. so there's that, like, the, yeah. the people are quite like, are we yeah. married, should I... What yes. do I say? Yeah. Is he husband? like, yeah. people, as soon as the etiquette... It's like when mm. we talked about grinning, with your name, because I mess it up, I'm, I'm like, yeah. just don't say it. Yeah. Just don't say P- Puna's name. Yeah. And it's like, you again, you understand what it comes to it, but it's so painful when people don't acknowledge it. It, it is. It must have been hard mm. for you that... How did you feel... Um, I mean it's a stupid question but how did you feel the fact that you were separated and he was in New Zealand when he died that must have been another another mm-hmm. level of grief to process so
0: for me interestingly around that there was no real distinction because okay. I think what had happened was with the separation it wasn't like things had moved so beyond, yeah. beyond that point where I didn't feel like we were married no. and we literally were in contact every single day yeah. so we would Skype about twice a week and we were in yeah and we definitely had some form of communication every day When I told him that I didn't think that we could work things out, I think it was about seven to eight days had passed in that time. So when he passed away, I still felt that we were married, you know, because just not enough time had passed and our relationship was super intense. So it wasn't, I didn't feel a weird limbo about it Mm. because when he died, it actually was very visceral it was very primal as in mine like so when I saw him in the funeral home for the first time that was just the he's mine like Mm. he's he's my he's my person like he is the other part of me that has passed away and his mum did this incredible thing that I don't think I even necessarily understood fully at the time in that she knew that you know she knew everything that had happened between us but there was no question for her I was his wife so all of the decisions she always asked me first so wow. and and all of that she deferred to me and i think that considering she was someone who was in deep grief and had just lost her son mm. i mean i have like immense infinite amounts of respect for her anyway but I think to be able to do that when you're in those first few days of grief I don't know how she did it so yeah so I think that that was that was for me I just there was and I think my dad asked me how I felt about it actually and I just said there's he's my husband there's Mm -hmm. no does I still refer to him as my late husband and I just said, you know, because deep down inside, I don't think that there was a part of me that really wanted to let him go, whether no. it, whether he had not died either anyway. Yeah, so yeah. there was a part of me that clung on to the fact that maybe he'd be able to get clean and we'd reconcile things, you know. Yeah, and
1: it's like when you are in a marriage, you you have these conversations of like, mm. oh, well, what should we do? And maybe this isn't going to, you know, that yeah. that's a normal part of marriage, just relationship. Yeah, yeah. But just because you said that doesn't mean... Yeah. Oh well, we were not together. So yeah, like, that's not how it Because works.
0: also, I think from memory, this is why the timelines for me are unclear. We were separated, but we still lived in the same house for the first month of that separation. Right. Yeah. So it was all very, it was all very messy. But I definitely remember our, in the aftermath, because no one really asked me about that. I think they were slightly scared to mm. ask me that. But definitely, I felt that not only was a grief like that taboo. But I just felt the nature in which he died was viewed as being shameful. Yeah. And that's that's not from any one person. And it's not definitely not from anyone in my social circle or my friends and family. But that's the rhetoric that we have around that kind of death. Really. Yeah,
1: and it's, it's difficult as well because there's two things going on there, I suppose, as well. Like, you know... He took his own life and mm. there was a drug problem going on, exactly. which are both things that people find hard to talk about yeah, anyway. Absolutely. And I, I've said this before, like, when you're somebody... Dies of cancer, or you know, a yeah. heart attack. It's obviously awful, but when I get asked, I don't have that moment of how are you are going to react when I say this. Mm. Like, it never crosses my mind ever. I just go oh, pancreatic cancer. The thing I'm thinking, oh, I have to tell you, I was 15. Like, that's yeah, the, my little chunk. But that's nothing compared to having to mm. go. I'm going to have to say this, and I'm going to have to say this. Which, yeah, that's it's just people finding it so hard to talk about, and I. It's like we hate not knowing what to say so
0: much. Mm.
1: Like if we could just be comfortable in that awkwardness, if we could yeah. just be like, if they could meet you, Puna, and you could <laughs> say that to them, and they could just be like, oh, I don't know what to say. I wasn't expected to say that, and that could be okay yeah. with them. But that, that's what I think sets people off. They're like, oh, I've let I've let Puna down. I didn't say the right thing. I don't know what to say. It's not my equipment. I'm angry. Why did she tell me? Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> like. Well, this panic goes on yeah. rather than just going, oh bloody hell! But I, I
0: know uh, the one thing I would, my takeaway from all of this, which I, I'm sure you have done this with people, and I feel like I've one of your guests has spoken about doing this, is that when I now know that someone else doesn't know what to do in a scenario like that. So, a friend of mine whose daughter passed away, oh. my friend didn't know what to do with his friend in terms right, of yeah. reaching out and so on, and th- and I felt able and capable to say. This is you don't have to. Yeah. This isn't a hard and fast rule, but this is what I would advise you doing. You become doing. the grief
1: elder of the village. <laughs> oh, you do yes. You're like, like I am the sage. Yeah, like um, you know, like yeah. there's, there used to be midwives yeah. so that were like, um, I've been through this, and then you're like, hello, welcome. How can <laughs> yes. I help you with the death problems? today? Yes. Yeah,
0: I will guide you through this. Yeah, um, and this is so that you can preserve your friendship because stuff like that, it does, you know. In so much as a lot of that is very hazy, Mm. and there are certain details, so someone will say to me, "Oh, I met you around this time." I have no recollection who that person was. But on the other hand, there are bits that I remember. With, it makes me sound like you know some kind of vengeful maniac. But there are bits that I remember. It hurts
1: because you're you've got like, you know, all of the skin is off. Mm. You're down to like sinew and muscle. So when someone says something paver with fucking hurt yeah. and i've quoted people in this from school yeah. because it's still it even though i can say they didn't know and i understand at the time it was very painful yeah. and so i think when you do become a grief elder you're like i just don't want anyone else to go through that yeah. please go around to the house with some food yeah. please send them a card please just <laughs> squeeze their hand you know say mm. i'm sorry to hear that say you know you, you're, you're just thinking i hope someone doesn't have to have what i had so yeah it doesn't make you sound vengeful the what was, yeah. what was the worst? Do you want to share? <laughs>
0: I am going to share yeah, the worst. So actually, good. the worst thing I think that someone has said to me was actually something, someone that I didn't know. So mm-hmm. it was a breakfast meeting. So at the time I was working as the executive editor for HuffPost. There was a very strong line between my professional life and my personal life, yeah. even though, you know, I have written about it on the site. Uh, sorry, it, my grief and yeah. Rob and so on. But it was a breakfast meeting in Soho House. And um, I was with two colleagues and we were meeting another person. And for some reason, because I think it was like, oh, are you married or whatever came oh, up. Right, yeah. And I said, oh, by the way, no, I used to be married, but my husband passed away by suicide a year ago. And this woman actually said, if you don't mind me asking, how did he do it? And my colleagues just, I could just, one of them <laughs> just put her hand like on my back. Wow. And I just said... Oh, my God. I'm I just, looked at I'm her. I'm just trying to break
1: down, like, because yeah. sometimes I think, okay, would I say something that's stupid? And then I was like, yeah. no, not... No, it's not meeting. It, <laughs> it was
0: also the tone. It was like asking if you got a meal deal at Boots. If you don't
1: have a meal where did you get your hair done? Yeah. yeah it's like, because it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Where's the top from? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, here's a small inconsequential inter- yeah. detail I can definitely share with yeah. you. Yes. How? Why does she yeah. need to know?
0: Yeah. Like... I, I have no idea. I mean, I just I shut it down very quickly and I said I I'm I don't feel comfortable discussing that. Yeah. But then the rest of the meeting. Yeah, it's mm, awkward. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say it was a little bit, a bit frosty. On my side. Yeah. Yeah, so I I mean, I carried on as normal, but it was wow. it was just there in the back. And obviously I've still clutched on to this like however yeah. many years later as a memory. But not I, that long. <laughs> you're not 20 years in. You're not tw- you're holding on to it for 3 years It's fine. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But I do remember thinking, I mean, there's there's Simon Critchley, he wrote this book about suicide, yes. Notes on Suicide. And he did say that suicide has this peculiar effect on people in that it either makes them loquacious. Mm. Um, a less polite word for me on loquacious would be verbal diarrhea yeah, in this yeah. woman's case. Or it makes them reticent. So yeah. they just, you know, they clam up and they don't want any, they don't want to talk about it. They, they don't know how to. Yeah. Uh, but that lady, and so I, again, similar scenario in my, um, in my role as the grief elder was when... And someone that we knew—I didn't know them personally, but friend of a friend again—passed away by suicide, and um, and my friend was asking me, and I just said, "I know you want to know mm. how. You can never ask that question. Yeah, it has yeah. to be volunteered, because I just said for some people it can be hugely triggering."
1: Well, I and this is again, mm. grief elders can learn too. Yeah. Um, my wonderful friend Jen Offord came on the show, and her brother. Mm took his own life when we were at university together okay. so I've known Jen for a very long time and I said to her I'd start a grief and I was like oh Jen come and do that she does another amazing podcast called standard issue podcast and um I was like oh Jen yeah you know oh my old pal And we were doing the show and I said oh I know what happened but I was thinking oh my listeners you know get I like to get the narrative and I asked her and she she had to say to me she's like Karen you can't ask me that and I was like wow oh and we kept it in the show because I thought that's so embarrassing. I don't want that in the show. I don't want people oh god. But I thought no, other people need to know. Yeah. And I think I was asking more because I was like I wouldn't have asked yeah. at a breakfast meeting. Please don't judge me. <laughs> but because I was like oh, it's Jen and mm. I'm just trying to get everybody to know the situation and because I know. Yeah. And then she said to me she was like yeah, it's just like she was, Jen's very much like it's just kind of bad suicide etiquette. Like it's just like I'm not it's just not cool. <laughs> and I was like thank you. Because again, yeah. we don't talk about it, mm. so we don't know. So people panic. Yeah. And I think I've had I mean, not to compare, but I've had it similarly. Sometimes people decide to be very interested and they're like, oh, so what do you die of? I'm like, oh, pancreatic cancer. And they're like, oh, right. And so what treatment was he having? Or like, oh, and I, Lord. And I think, oh, OK. Well, so we, yeah, he mm. had chemo. Oh, right. And so it didn't work. And I think, you don't, why do you need the details? And I think, you're really making me pick apart a corpse here. Like, yeah. I'm, cancer's enough, isn't it? Mm. Unless you, you know, work for... PC UK or something, you're like, oh, I actually work in that field and I know stuff, then I'm of course, if I'm at an mm. event I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll talk about yeah. it. But yeah, I've a couple of times thought, I don't see why you need, and I don't think you want them, but I think you're panicking. But yeah, you so they just keep asking
0: questions. But I think
1: it's a real I just yeah. think people don't know, you don't, no. don't ask.
0: The, the I mean, with suicide, the only explanation that I can have as mm. to why it's the question you never ask is because there are so grief generally I mean, I realize that, you know, grief is is a tough, it's a tough thing overall to deal with. But the thing with suicide as a death is, um, and I know this because I am an inveterate Googler. So I wanted to (laughs) rationalize, you know, how long was I going to feel like X and Y and Z? And obviously that goes completely out of the window. But suicide is a bereavement that takes uh, longer. It takes Mm, longer because it's, it's a it's a trauma right in terms of like usually things that have led up to it and then subsequently afterwards and so on
1: yeah I've never really thought about it in those terms so
0: when when you're asking that question you're basically asking about the darkest sing and it's a singular point because there will always be that moment where for everyone it's different but you're asking about the darkest singular point of that entire grief experience Mm. and so for me I am no that I'm never going to ever be in a room alone with that woman ever again but I think it's that she didn't. It it, it was the tone for me. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even that someone said something dumb like this is exactly the same as my pet dying or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just which I've had quite a lot of that. Yeah. Um, it's 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 someone who just kind of framed it as in you know in a very flippant way.
1: I think that's it. It's 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 tone, and again. Mm. Saying sorry. Like, it's totally... I i really... Like, I don't mind people making mistakes with... We talked about this in a live episode. Of like, oh, what do you say? And some people hate being said, mm. oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Some people love it. Like, I just think it's important to... To kind of suss it out. And if you'd said, I feel uncomfortable, I hope that she would have gone, oh, I'm really sorry... I'm not very good at talking about this. So I made a mistake. I didn't realize. Like, it's just mm. you want... She didn't. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> I can gauge that, that from my expression. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, that's the thing of like, if we're going to continue this conversation, which we should do because it's so helpful. You have to be willing to learn. And I, that's why I kept that bit in with Jen because I thought, God, I'm such a... You know, I can talk about mums and dads till the cows come home because it's my experience. But I was struggling talking about suicide because I haven't been yeah. affected by it. In but, the same way that Jen had. But
0: I guess conversely, there is... So my parents are both alive and well. There is so much about your experience... Of course, ...that yeah. I wouldn't understand. Yeah, and definitely. I probably might clonk in there yeah. and not, not, not But I think that's just being
1: able to go... And this is, again, yeah. in this world we live in, with language at the moment being so flammable, mm. it's like it, we should be able to make a mistake because we're humans yeah. and then have someone go, oh, hey, um, it's a little bit offensive to say that these days. Absolutely. And have someone go, oh, gosh, sorry, I didn't know. And then the person who said... The person who was upset, I feel, should be I go, "Okay, cool. I told you, you didn't know." And the person who made mistake should go, "Okay, cool. I didn't." Know. Rather than like, "What a, what a fucking asshole!" They yeah, said that yeah. word, and you're like, "Obviously, there's this, you know, some <laughs> words you, we all know." But it's just that thing of like, it needs to be, I don't know, like a bit of empathy and forgiveness. And I, I really, I really don't mind if people are, if people, yeah, you said clonking and say the wrong thing. If they, I have had people go, "Oh, sorry, I." I don't really know how to talk about it then I'm like oh don't really don't worry about it like it's yeah. of course it's, you don't it's
0: about um, listening so yeah, if, if yeah. the thing I, and I think this could be applied to so many different things not just grief mm. but it's about you just need someone to listen they don't always have yeah. to have an opinion or a say on it yes, yes, especially yes. if you're telling them something that yeah. has upset you or the reasons behind, like especially if you have taken the time mm. to explain something to someone you know as neutrally as you possibly can that person has a responsibility to listen. That's actually something that one of the most valuable things I think I've learned out of this whole experience.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's incredibly, yeah. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> to remain neutral. Yeah. <laughs> it's bloody hard, isn't it? Like you said, we all get so emotional, mm. and understandably, but I think, God, like, well, I, I just think you're incredible. Thank you. Oh, on. <laughs> I'm getting I it. think the
0: pronunciation of my name is incredible. Yes. Thank See, you. See, I've learned and yeah. I'm
1: okay and I'm sorry I got it wrong. I'm sorry. Um no, I do, and I, I think it is not easy to go through grief anyway, but what you've been through and the fact that you are here looking lovely. Thank you and talking about it. <laughs> and I think we should celebrate that, and and it doesn't denigrate mm. your love for Rob or yeah. him. It doesn't mean you didn't care at all. It just means like, well, well done you, because this is hard and you're Thanks. you're doing it. You're standing up. Thank, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> That's incredibly <laughs> oh, kind. That's true. That's how I feel. Because I just think you're really and I hate using this phrase because I don't think it's a very good phrase, but like you're fresh out of the box. That's what I would yeah. say. But I think doesn't sound like a coffin. So I'm trying to work on it. But you are fresh out of the box. Yeah.
0: It doesn't sound like a coffin. It sounds like, I don't know if you ever watched Erie Indiana where those uh, yes! people were in Tupperware boxes. Oh my God. There we go. I love yeah. that
1: episode. I know, me too. If you haven't watched Erie Indiana, you're missing out. <laughs> Do you remember when the dogs got braces? The yeah. boy got braces and he could hear dogs and the dogs were trying to kill I him. I know. I really want to re-watch the entire oh, thing. Really good I episodes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book is called Chase the Rainbow. Yes, it's available it is. now.
0: It is out on paperback now. Paperback now, mm. and the other one is called. It's called In Search of Silence, Search and of- that's on pre-order, and that's out next May.
1: Next May. Well, Puna, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about Rob. Thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: You can follow Purna on Twitter and Instagram at Purna Bell. That's P O O R N A B E L L. Her book Chase the Rainbow, uh, One Man's Journey with Mental Health, told by the Woman Who Loved Him, is out now in paperback. And her second one, In Search of Silence, comes out on the 2nd of May. Um, any information on that I have talked about and you don't know what I'm talking about, please feel free to tweet me at the Griefcast or go to Instagram at the Griefcast. Or remember you can always email us thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble. The show was edited by Kate Holland, with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone.